Welcome back to Foresight, the CPA podcast. I'm your host, David McGuffin. We've talked a lot on this podcast about the challenges CPAs face, but on this episode, we're going to do something different. This time, it's going to be all about the opportunities, the new business models, the new roles, and emerging leadership positions. All of these opportunities are opening up because of the drive towards digital transformation. The truth is, digital transformation is a journey, or maybe you prefer a different metaphor. We're going to hear from one person who says it's more like going to the gym. But however you choose to describe it, digital transformation takes leadership, and CPAs have a unique opportunity to be at the center of the action. On today's episode, we're going to hear from two CPAs who are driving the shift into the digital space. First up is Josh Zweig. Josh is the CEO of LiveCA, which is Canada's first and largest online accounting firm. Josh co-founded the firm with Chad Davis, and as you're about to hear, digital transformation is not just a buzzword, it's central to how he works, or more specifically, where he works. So Josh, you're the CEO of an accounting firm with just under 100 employees that operates out of Canada, but just for a bit of fun, can you tell us where you are right now? So for fun, I'm in Buenos Aires, Argentina. But not just for fun, you're working out of there as well, is that right? I'm working, living, I mean, I suppose these are all relative terms, but yeah, I've been here for almost four years now, on and off. And mm -hmm. uh, before the pandemic, came and went quite a bit. After the pandemic, a girlfriend and two cats later, it's a little bit more permanent. So in some ways, you're kind of doing what a lot of us have been doing with the pandemic, but you've been doing this for quite a while. Was that always part of the original business plan then, that sort of flexibility about where the various employers or founders of the companies are? Business plan, <laughs> there was no like grand plan from the start. Really, this, the idea morphed over time. So the original idea was simply that I was working at a mid-sized accounting firm in Toronto, and I had spent about two years in Tel Aviv or in Israel prior to, to working there. And this firm that I was at happened to have a lot of clients in Israel. So I thought, oh, this is a great opportunity for me to maybe do some cross-border accounting, be somewhat there, somewhat in Canada, and, and find my niche. And after a few years of working there, I said to my boss, look, I'm not actually meeting with customers right now. I'm doing all this work by myself. I can basically do this online and because people are sending me scanned bank statements and it can access remotely the system. So how about I move to Tel Aviv, I'll fly in on my own dime a couple times a year, and uh, I'll be half there and half here, what do you say? And he said, absolutely not, you have to be in the office. If I don't see you working, I don't know you're working. And I said, okay, I guess I'll have to start my own version of this to test out the theory. And so that, that was really the idea was, okay, can I actually move and, do, and to Tel Aviv and, and just be a normal accountant abroad? So. There wasn't, a, again, a grander plan of, of how to grow a team, but more of how can I be uh, living somewhere else and doing my Canadian tax work. So your boss's theory that everyone needs to be in one place has clearly become outdated. How much, how much pushback did you get from potential clients to the fact that you all weren't on Bay Street or wherever it was? So I, I think when you're looking for customers, the... If you're getting pushback, it means you're not connecting with the right customer. At the beginning, when we wanted just money, right, to survive, we, we did deal with any kind of customer. And so I'd say the friction or the pushback was because the customers weren't the right fit. 
As an example, we had Chad fly in from Halifax to scan in documents somewhere because the person didn't want to do the scanning himself. And he did that. Is that sustainable? No, you do not. You definitely don't need to pay a $1,200 flight to have someone scan in a few receipts. So we, we didn't really understand that at the time. So I guess a lot of the, the pushback really helped us over time to find our ideal customer. So beyond wanting to be where you wanted to be and work, I mean, what was the market gap you guys saw that you thought you could you know, exploit or work in? I think that that question presupposes that we had a very well planned out business plan. Yeah. The question today, I, I mean, it can answer quite differently than mm-hmm. the question 10 years ago. But today, it is a business that generates probably between 2 and $20 million of revenue, has a headcount between 10 and 100, is looking for a full finance team. So think accounts payable, payroll, bookkeeping, and tax. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to hire all those people for a whole bunch of reasons, namely the fact that it's very costly to have a full finance team. You don't quite need all those full-time hires. So our value proposition today is we provide all those functions for less than the price of a full-time hire. And so... It's a, it is a growing company who fits our ideal customer profile that would really buy into using those functions. So LiveCA, as you describe, it's obviously an accounting services firm, but you also describe it as a technology services firm. And I'm just wondering if you can explain those two aspects of your business. So today, I, I would argue that we're, we are shifting from a more traditional service-based company to what I would call a tech-enabled service company. And so what that means in practice is we have a team that's actually dedicated to developing proprietary technology. Right now, we refer to it as our no-code team. We also have an innovation team. And their job is, so maybe in more practical terms, it's, for example, if a customer uh, is using accounting software like Xero and invoices their customers in a very specific way that Xero can't, can't do or doesn't have that inherent functionality, so we can build a plugin using Xero's API that enables a customer to do their, their invoicing in their custom process. So think of it as custom plugins is one function of using tech, right, to eliminate manual processes. There are other kinds of internal apps that we're building that uh, really cut down on the manual labor part. So in other words, if you're doing bookkeeping, matching receipts to a transaction is fairly tedious and manual. It isn't the value add necessarily of uh, an accounting firm. And so using technology to, or AI, to eliminate the human, let's call it tedious work that's involved there, and actually using the the human effort to do the analysis, to do board reporting, to say, okay, now that we've done the tedious work, uh, we've automated a lot of it, what additional value can we bring to you in the form of interpretation of the numbers or the story? So I'd say today, technology has a lot more fundamental role in the actual value we're providing to customers internally, which is finding efficiencies and cutting uh, the time down of doing certain manual repeatable tasks. And externally, as far as adding value to customers, it could be dashboards, different board reporting, having a portal that they can log in with everything in one place. So uh, that, that's how we see technology playing a much more vital role in our business over the, the coming years. Huh. Fascinating. How important is it that these apps are being developed within an accounting firm itself as opposed to just a Silicon Valley firm? Or So interesting enough, I think the market right now is in a very unique time. So as a very specific example, you take the firm, it's not a firm, it's a company called Pilot. 
So what they do first off is they offer back office services. So think again, accounts payable, payroll, bookkeeping, tax, CFO services. And this is based in the US, right? So they do this to, to US for US companies. Pilot has branded itself successfully as a technology company. They have $120 million of funding. Uh, a large part of that funding is from Sequoia Capital, the same VCs behind Airbnb, mm -hmm. right? Google and some other very big companies. And they have about, again, from the time that I read the article, about $30 million in revenue but they have a valuation of over a billion dollars, which is unheard of in the accounting industry. Wow. So we're, we're seeing a big shift in the market, I think. And, and again, I think Pilot is a key example of traditional service companies both transitioning or branding themselves as a technology company and then relying a lot on technology to drive that value to their customers. So you have an interesting perspective in terms of digital transformation, and I've heard you compare it to the transformation that you see when, from going to the gym, for example, and I'm just wondering if you can explain that. Yeah, so I'll come back to our, our original uh, value prop when we started the business, which is I just do your books online. Yeah. And again, it was me. There was no grand purpose to have a much larger team. But over time, we made incremental changes, right, that shifted the focus of the business without actually realizing it. So much like going to the gym every day where you work on a particular muscle group and you don't necessarily see the change when you look at your mirror every day, but if you look at yourself in six-month intervals, you might see a, a much larger change. So in our first iteration of the business, again, it was send us your books, we'll do your taxes. Six months later, it was we transition you online and then do your taxes. Uh, a few years later, it's we are a fully outsourced finance team for your growing business. And today... Right. Not only are we fully outsourced finance team, not only can we help companies scale to the point. So if I look at some of our customers like a Wealthsimple, we've helped a number of customers scale from five to 10 employees to over 300 and in some cases going to IPO. And so all, all that knowledge that we've brought to the table has come from the different iterations. And today's focus that we have of moving towards a becoming a technology service company it just is just another iteration of that and saying, hey, if we want to stay competitive and if we want to continue to serve these types of customers, we actually need technology to stay at the forefront because that's in fact what our customers are asking for. More advanced reporting, more advanced analysis. And if we focus only on human labor to do that, we're going to fall behind. You interact with a lot of companies looking to digitally transform their financial operations, given your groundbreaking role. And I'm just wondering what's the most common obstacle you see them facing? I'd say the most common obstacle is people. In other words, organizations are organizations of people. And it, it's the people part that you really need to understand. If you're doing things to automate processes within a particular organization, and that means in some cases that someone's role is going to change, they may not be fully bought into that process, whether they're conscious of it or not. And so I think that concept is really important when you're looking at, at a technology company. And again, that's why we look at ourselves as a, not a technology company, but a tech-enabled service company to say, look, we're using technology to augment right, the human capital element here. And human capital will always be a fundamental part of our business. And a large part of that is also understanding the human capital on the other side. So that technology isn't the solution, it is part of the solution. And what we need to do is really understand the needs of the other of the person on the other side or the people on the other side to go, okay, are these tools, is this workflow the really the right thing for your business? So I think really understanding the goals of the person on the other side, being conscious of them when doing an implementation is fundamentally important to a successful transformation. Fascinating. Josh Swag, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. 
Uh, thank you very much for having me. Josh Swig is the CEO and co-founder of the online accounting firm LiveCA. We reached him in Buenos Aires. Now, not every CPA can set up a large accounting firm and work from Buenos Aires, but luckily that's not required to be a part of, or even to lead, digital transformation in an organization. Nat Dercole is a partner at Deloitte. He's the data transformation leader for Deloitte Canada's artificial intelligence practice. In that role, he has led and guided a wide variety of digital transformation projects, and he's seen how CPAs can be at the center of this sort of change. Nat Dercole, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. As you heard there, Josh says his accounting firm needs to keep technology at the forefront of what they offer customers. Now his firm has been widely innovative from the beginning, but how true do you think it is as a general statement about the accounting field? I think it's very true that um, uh, innovation is, is fundamental to how finance modernizes its services, how it operates, how it attracts talent and retains talent. And talent today is uh, all about being able to get to information a lot quicker, just speeding up processes and reducing the time to insights in order to be relevant in today's dynamics, today's economy. Yeah. Josh is talking about digital transformation of what you might call traditional accounting areas of competence, like finance. But in your work, you help companies transform their use of data beyond financial reporting. And I'm wondering, what is the fun fundamental problem you help your clients solve? I think organizations, you know, have realized you can't be strategic, you can't excel, can't accelerate at a pace that's needed when data is limited to departments or their individual silos. So, you know, you've got, um, you know, islands of uh, information, but no no insight and, and the, the need to connect information across the organization, um, across the enterprise, as well as from external to the enterprise, whether it's public data from your customers, your supply chain. This is a very fluid mm -hmm. economy that we are operating in today. And doesn't matter what industry folks are from, the need to connect information, speed up the information pipeline to make faster decisions is a reality of how businesses are driving to a more strategic advantage compared to their competitors. And we are seeing organizations do just that. And the CFO has a, a leadership role to play in such transformations. So you say the CFO has a leadership role to play in such transformations, but how about CPAs below that level? For example, auditors. Do they have the skills that are needed to drive this transformation? Yeah, I would say so. Auditors are trained or accountants are trained. I've, I went through the same training myself many uh, decades ago. And that training provides you with a foundation of truly understanding a process from end to end. And uh, yes, auditors are trained to audit financial statements but there's a process uh, by which financial information is generated and auditors are trained in understanding that, corroborating processes, corroborating information. And it's not unlike what needs to happen when you're putting in new processes and ensuring that the information is fit for purpose, it's complete, it's good enough for the decisions that need to be made. And so I, I, I do find that um, leaders from a CFO finance mm -hmm. background bring a unique skill set to transformations. 
One thing we're hearing is that CPAs are having trouble being seen as a natural fit for the role that you've just described. Uh, CEOs are not thinking, let's get one of our top CPAs to take care of this. So I'm just wondering how you see what's the best way for a CPA to insert themselves into that kind of leadership role? Very good question. I would say be involved in modernizing your own function. If um, your own function is is not modernized, not digitized, you're not accessing information and insights through dashboards, connected dashboards, you really haven't learned the fundamentals or and even applied the fundamentals mm-hmm. of data and analytics and potentially what AI could bring uh, to how that information could be analyzed, not just from a financial perspective, but from an operational perspective. And so I think there's there's a ripe learning ground there for CPAs to bring disruption, bring modernization mm-hmm. to their own function first. And in doing so, there's a lot to be learned in terms of communication, collaboration, setting a vision, having a purpose for transformation. And those skills are absolutely transferable and I would say needed to be able to uh, be a co-leader at the table for broader uh, business transformation, digital transformation, digital enabled transformations across the enterprise. And and so I, I think My advice to aspiring CFOs is get yourself involved in a project, Mm -hmm. in a program uh, that is modernizing the finance function, whether that be database-controlled modeling tools with uh, built-in reporting, built-in analytics, Mm built-in AI, potentially built-in robotics, and to have those experiences because you'll be served well in, um, in your career as you launch into broader transformation initiatives. Mm -hmm. When we were talking to Josh, he really emphasized the need to be able to understand the human needs of the people in an organization as it's trying to change. And I'm just wondering how important have you found that to be? I think that's very important. I think digital transformation or technology transformations are realized by people. These are people-led initiatives, obviously. And understanding and being able to communicate purpose, value, shared goals. These are soft skills that will drive strategy, drive connection to that strategy in organizations. I think first and foremost, it's important to have that stated goal, vision, mission that people can connect to. Mm-hmm. And um, to me, that that does speak to the human aspects of being a leader, leading with empathy, but also understanding what's important to your leaders participating on your in your transformation, and uh, what are they looking to get out of the uh, you know initiative in terms of their own personal growth? So having that connection with your leaders and, and helping them to be successful on their own personal journeys is uh, to me a very important human aspect of leading transformation. Interesting. You've been helping businesses implement new digital tools and think through the implications of new technology for your whole career. And I'm wondering if looking back, if you've found that there is a particular kind of mindset that helps drive successful digital transformation. I think challenging the status quo. um, I think CPAs, CFOs tend to gravitate towards what is... um, you know, foundational in terms of capabilities. Mm. And sometimes it, it may feel uncomfortable in terms of venturing into a, a space that you're not necessarily comfortable with. 
and, and so have the courage. The world that we operate in, the economy that we operate in is going to continue to change. There is no, the new normal is that there is no normal. And um, having a mindset that there isn't a beginning and an end to a particular transformation or a particular project or program, there will continue to be change thrown at you. And the need to continue to absorb that, understand that, and push forward to to embed improvements in mm-hmm. in processes and how organizations communicate with their customers, their stakeholders, their people internally is key to the you know next generation of organizations that will disrupt the market, dis- disrupt competitors, mm-hmm. and so. You know, having a, a mindset of change is good, change is opportunity, and mm-hmm. you know, your business counterparts, technology counterparts are looking to you to bring uh, that type of wisdom, that type of experience. Great. That's a solid piece of advice. I think we can leave it there. So, Nat, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Very welcome. Thank you. Nat Dercole is the data transformation leader for Deloitte Canada's artificial intelligence practice. And that's it for this episode of Foresight. If you're interested in learning more about digital transformation, we have links to resources in the show notes. Foresight, the CPA podcast, is produced by Podcraft Productions. And please rate, review, and share this episode. It helps others to find the podcast. I'm David McGuffin. I'll be back with our next episode in two weeks' time. Until then, thanks so much for listening. Please note the views expressed by our guests are theirs alone, and not necessarily the views of CPA Canada.